Mindless Can, the podcast, with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushel. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work, and in your community. In this week's episode of the Kindness Can podcast, we have a special guest for you. TV and radio star, businesswoman, and I'm also so blessed to call her one of my besties. She's also the creative force behind Margaret Rose Interiors. Please put your hands together for Mags. Hi, Mags. Hello, everybody. So wonderful to have you with us on the Kindness Can podcast in front of our very special live studio zoom audience so this is very special a girl who gosh girlfriend we do the roller coaster of life alongside each other we do the highs we do the lows we do it all don't we (laughs) and we do it properly we make sure there is no gray area (laughs) please we don't do beige We were discussing earlier today um, that we'll probably do another Zoom regarding uh, your kind of transition from Big Brother and from Big Brother to East Coast Radio and then East Coast Radio to Margaret Rose Interiors, which is a story in itself. But it's fair to say that you are really living your purpose, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we discussed this, you said, uh, why don't we chat about uh, Big Brother to East Coast Radio and then traveling around the country and then coming back to East Coast Radio and having a marketing agency and then transitioning to interior design. I was like, no, I think we need a week for that. <laughs> we, but it is kind of nice to, to recap the journey and how far you go. And uh, the, the other night I was speaking to family and I said, you know what, when you leave school and it's a, it's a conversation I'm going to have with my son is that, I don't expect you to know what you need to do or you, what you want to do when you leave school, but I expect you to work. And that's the difference in life is you need to work. At the age of 38 years old, I realized why have I been sitting around and, and wondering why I haven't got into interior design ages ago. And it doesn't matter. It was because I, that was my journey of, of working and walking through to becoming who I am today, and that's Margaret Rose Interiors, and absolutely, undeniably living my dream. And uh, (laughs) I can see you smiling, Jane, because you know me. (laughs) No, because I remember the day you walked into the East Coast Radio studio. I was doing lunchtime, um, the lunchtime show, and you walked in and you said, you know what I'm doing? I said, what? You said, I'm going to start studying interiors. I said, shut up. He said, I am. I'm starting tonight. And every single day you would come in and you would show me your assignment and you'd move from assignment to assignment to assignment. And you were so focused and you were so diligent. And look where you are. I could burst with pride. Oh, and just even hearing you talk about it uh, really just gave me goosebumps and memories because, you know, Bongani, uh, him and I speak almost every day. And he always reminds me of how, you know, we would be going on a tour bus and we'd be having to do my show from, freaking middle of, of KZN in the bush where there was no Wi-Fi. So I was begging and borrowing data from people just to be able to study and get through my assignments because I, I wasn't in a position where I could study for the three years. I had to I had to compress my studies. I had to study every single Saturday and every single Sunday. And I remember my son coming up to me and going, when is this going to end? I hate it. It's awful. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and nighttime I was I was studying and then still balancing work and then also doing work experience with interior design. So that journey didn't just fall into my lap. It really was something that I knew that I wanted to do and there were going to be self-sacrifices along the long way to get there. And now that we've here, oh my word, did it not just happen that I resigned off East Coast Radio and the next freaking day, lockdown. I'm like, say what is going on here? <laughs> But I mean, how have you kept how have you kept going in lockdown? I mean, because I would assume that interiors is something that is the kind of cream money, the luxury money, right? What happened was I was very fortunate enough to have had commercial contracts that were in the pipeline and were active, so they were put on hold. They weren't cancelled by the grace of God, and all my residential clients had put their projects on a slow. So also not putting, not cancelling anything, again, by the grace of God. And something happened to me in lockdown. And now, you know, we all went into the state of panic. And we all went into this, this feeling of, of desperation and, and anger and then resentment and then, oh, and, and then survival mode. And then, you know, so there was, a whole, there was this whole host of emotions that were going on. And what I was feeling partially grateful because now I had time with my son back because I wasn't locked into being on air and being at work and an end. But something happened, and I don't, and I don't know where it came from, but I felt like this is the time to be kind. This is the time to give. When you feel like you've got nothing left, this is your time. What can I do to give back in my expertise and out of my talent? So I reached out. And I went online, I did uh, videos, I did posts, uh, I engaged with East Coast Radio, and I just started on this journey of how can I help you as an interior designer in lockdown? Because now we've got to do homeschooling and we've got to do home office work vibes. And how do I set this up? And uh, how do I convert my dining room table into something? And I thought to there are people that there are hundreds of thousands of people that are out there, but at least hundreds that were reaching out. And how can I, as an interior designer, help you make your space more beautiful? And that way was it was me reaching out and being kind and offering back. And it made me feel so good doing it. People were like, "How much is this going to cost me? I can't afford this." I said, "No, it's not about that. This is the process. I'm happy to give you consultations, and I wasn't charging. Just engage with me." And let's change your space up. Let's make it, there's so much to be depressed about. Let's turn to one thing that can make it fun and exciting. And I really felt like a change in myself through that. And that kindness and that came back to me and that, that speech and that interaction and that engagement and changing people's lives was something so simple as advising on a rug or moving that chair from here to there. It was just such simple little things that really just changed my whole perspective in, in lockdown and also just allowed me to come back out of lockdown feeling a lot more humble and feeling a lot more uh, gracious about how lucky I am to be in this position to work and to talk colors and talk design and uh, natural light, natural light, everybody. I want natural light. I want, and just like, you know, <laughs> and, and have this, like, this, this creative, like, uh, but also just be gracious in how you do it. Uh, I don't know if I've got interior designers on here, but to, 
to work with in a residential and you can see I'm working with a pregnant mom at the moment we're busy doing up her home and also doing the nursery but just to handle her just an extra little bit more with being delicate in your approach, your speech, your WhatsApps, your phone calls. Maybe it's an extra phone call that you need to make. And then integrating that type of process into, into the approach. I mean, even corporate, I'm installing a, a beautiful big uh, a commercial project. And even there, just because the, these guys are contractors and they're walking around in hard hats and, and steel boots doesn't mean that they are not catching public transport and shoved into a bus with 18 other people and then go home and they are surrounded by 60. And they're also not, they're also worried. They also have their issue. So it's about how you approach. And I'm not saying that I'm not a perfectionist and I don't run <laughs> my project management without being extremely professional and making sure that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. But it's not what you say. It's how you say it in this, this time. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm not one to mince my words. I, I completely believe you know exactly where you stand with me when you're dealing with me as a supplier, as a client. But it, it definitely has brought in my industry and my business into a place. We've actually got a status report that runs every morning in, internally in Margaret Rose. And thanks to Jane and Paul, the first line is always respond to suppliers and clients with kindness and then a solution. We were saying um, yesterday, hey, Paulie, that we're just living in a time of everyone's feeling a little bit hypersensitive. Everyone's on, on the edge. So I think also as key is not to take things personally. You know, people have got lives running um, in the background to decisions that are being made and conversations that are being had. But how can we empower our living environment to be a more tranquil space? I mean, can we talk about furnishings or colorings that would evoke a, a sense of calm? Because obviously we know we're spending so much more time at home. What little things can be done in our homes that, in your opinion, could evoke a more calm and tranquil living environment? So first of all, let me start by saying that my answers are not always every, every designer's answers. And also what calms one family can calm or evoke a different emotion in another family. So they are extremely unique. But uh, Jane, I'm actually going to use you as an example. <laughs> because oh, wow. you, uh, no, <laughs> I will not use the, the dialogue. <laughs> What's that? The more color, the better. Okay. So Paul, <laughs> you are, you're, on the run, you're on the right track there. So Janie and I have been friends for, I don't know what it is now, 17 years. But she contacted me about doing a wall in her home. And sorry, I'm talking about you in the third person now because I'm chatting to everybody else. You just, Go you just, <laughs> you all just mute my mic. <laughs> and so she WhatsApps me. She says, oh, we're in the kitchen and I, uh, we're going to be doing this. Uh, we're going to be doing this red. So I said, uh, I responded, I said, no, you're not. Answer's like, <laughs> now, please, I don't talk to uh, uh, most of my clients like this, but I know Janie for so long. So I said, no, you're not. What is the space being used for? What happens in this space? Who is utilizing it? So is it the three kids, you and Mikey? Is it a resting lounge? Is it a games lounge? What are we talking? And then I suggested a color, which I think nearly made Jane faint. And it's more of like a tranquil dawn. It's a very soft uh, green. It's not mint and it's not loud. It's, it's definitely not an emerald, but it's very, very, very soft. And I said to her, 
do that color on that wall. And I promise you, you, it will not disappoint you. And there were many messages going back, back and forth, back and forth. And I also said, you, you know, the one thing about a, a, a color that evokes a certain emotion, let it grow on you. Let it sit with you for a while. You may not like it in the first week, but all of a sudden it starts to evoke a certain emotion and you start to say, hey, hello, wall. <laughs> she kind of like you right now, you know. Hey, sexy green. <laughs> You're making me feel amazing. And the conversation went, oh, wow, this green has really changed like the, the energy in the room. It's changed how we talk to each other in the room. It changes how we play board games in that area now. It changes, actually, the kids are noticing the wall. And, and so this realization, this epiphany comes out. And that's, I, I might be talking a little bit in circles, but that's the treatment of color. You know, when you're working in any certain emotion, you might want to, you know, if I, if I think about cell phone companies, you know, Vodacom used to be like the biggest red, 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 energy, 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 data, data, God, go, 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 fire, fire, you know, promotions and, hiring and sponsoring all the, the biggest sporting events and so on. And yes, it made sense because that red synergy was so important. But now that we're in a time of this lockdown and trying to evoke kindness, I'm going to really read it back in a bit, is that you still want to have fun. Yes, just because you're kind doesn't mean everything is completely monochromatic or this dull, boring, oh, we've got to be safe, safe. Don't, you don't have to be safe. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the fact that in so many parts of our life, when we're trying to be kind, it's, it's sometimes counterintuitive. It goes against what our instincts tell us. So we think to ourselves, well, that would be the solution. That is the kindest thing to do. That is what I would usually rely on. But, but every now and then you've got to step back in that process and, and really reflect and step out of your comfort zone to, to achieve that kindness. And, and I imagine in interiors, it's quite similar for a lot of your clients. The beige is safe. The beige seems calm or the blue seems soothing. But when you start to ask those really important questions and you start to understand what's going on a little bit better, you can kind of push out of that zone uh, a little bit and start to lean into some unfamiliar solutions, but which can have amazing results. And, and you spot on there because, you know, as an interior designer, the, the greatest joy definitely for me is to see the response on the client's face when you present the mood board. Because they've said, uh, please, can you keep it charcoal, gray, white, and that's it. And then all of a sudden you rock up with this mood board that looks like a carnival. And they're going, what is happening? And you're trying to stretch them further and out. Because it's, it's the conversation you've had with them. It's the words that they're using. It's the energy that you're placing in certain rooms, like a study or in the lounge or in the courtyard. You're going to bring a lot more fun. And, you know, do you want to bring out the more juvenile side of them. You want to explore the personality and, and, and walk around that. Uh, and that's why uh, I'm actually presenting a very big mood board this afternoon, which I am so excited to do because yellow is a no-no for the client and the yellow's in the board. You <laughs> 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 can see Jane dancing there. Surely you've had times where the client is not interested in your carnival. They're not interested. They, they don't want to play. And yes, and, and that's a huge ethical thing for, for us at Margaret Rose, where is to listen is extremely, extremely important. And where we'll dance a little around there is that we will bring in the accessories and show up a little scatter 
and throw in maybe a, a small splash or you know, hero a really gorgeous color, but maybe it's in the wallpaper, but it's just those slight beautiful streaks and the hint that's coming through and texture, 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 texture. Yes. So, so Mags, I'm sitting at home and I've been experiencing this lockdown for a while now. I don't have a budget. I can't really go out and buy a whole lot of new stuff, okay? But I kind of realized that I'm in a stalemate with my space and I want to mix it up a little bit. Run us through some simple little tips about, yeah, just moving around what you have maybe. Thank you for that. Actually, I've been running a, a podcast on East Coast Radio called uh, Interior Design with Margaret Rose, and I had uh, kind of touched on that as well. And, you know, the one thing that strikes emotion is noise. And so you could be wanting to get onto a Zoom chat or a Teams meeting, and the, there's noise, there's noise. So you want to you want to absorb noise just to, to calm that sense down, to let, let your sense know, okay, every, everything's under control, it doesn't matter. And so... Quick tips is to move. How can I help? <laughs> Siri. <laughs> You're so obedient. <laughs> so kind. So, so kind. So kind. You darling. Um, you know, a rug is such an easy thing to move around. Just remember that it's not permanent. This is going to change. And life will progress in a new direction. And maybe you are going to be able to get out a bit more to buy a new rug for where you stole the rug from in the home. So don't be scared to mess up your current layout. It's okay. The furniture doesn't have legs. It's not going to run away. You know, the paint is not going to fall off the wall. Just chill and have fun. I also say a fun thing to do is to include the kids into moving that around because sometimes what they see, you don't see. So let them just come into the space and you just, just sit there and just say, you know, if you were to move this table around, what would you do? Where would you move it to? And just, just roll with that. But a rag is important because it absorbs sound. So if you've got some nice scatters around the house that you could spare, then I'll bring them into maybe the workstation area and just maybe move some art around. An indoor planter is such a lovely way just to make yourself feel like, hmm, okay, one with earth. If you are sharing a table or a workspace, I've got a giant bookcase in between my son and myself because <laughs> it's a psychological element that that's your workstation and this is my workstation. But I can still I can still see everybody and I can still see what's going on, but it's a psychological element to say. Either you put a lamp in between you, you put a, some books, or just kind of divide the space up so that you feel that you have ownership and you have responsibility and that you, uh, you know, you, you kind of have that office. There's a question that's come in here from Artie. It says, hi, I have a question. What color can I add to a new room for someone who is recovering from COVID-19? Any suggestions to enhance the mood for recovery? Okay, so one of the questions I'd ask is, um, you know, how much sunlight is the room getting? Which type of, which wall would you want to paint? Is it, is it near a window? You know, and then obviously then consult with with them to say, you know, what colors are a yes or a no. I'm going to go with a, where's that swatch? Up here. Terry, <laughs> where's that beautiful blue Get your swatch. swatch. Yeah. <laughs> While you're looking for it, it says another one's come through. That's, oh, it's a private one. Um, basically, no names mentioned. I have a colleague on my case daily who is rude and degrading to me. 
may I suggest a color or object for her to get in her home to get off my case? <laughs> or how can I express or how can I express kindness to her and not let her get to me? Paula, you want to take that one? Yeah, it, it's so interesting. I'm sitting here listening to the experience of color and how that interplays with our psychology. And of course, it's so dependent on our personality. It's so dependent on who we are in the world. So I think Mags is 100% right when she says we've got to, we've got to ask some personal questions about ourselves, uh, about our needs before we can, I suppose, answer questions about color and texture and, and all those things. Because I remember as a kid wanting to paint my room bright orange. Yeah. It was pumpkin orange, okay? And my parents were very kindly and indulged me. And within two weeks, we all realized as a family that this was the biggest mistake ever because <laughs> that's my testosterone, teenage hormones, plus pumpkin orange, okay, took my Grumpelstiltskins onto another level, okay? The painters were pulled in so quickly and I got the most boring white beige, okay? They oh, were like, darling. tone back. So. Paul. Reel it in. It's not white beige. It's old white, please. <laughs> um, but I think the point is those, those questions are so important. Questions about our, our personality, who we are and where we are in our life. So if you are Adrian Mole, age 13 and three quarters, painting your room black because your parents is going through a divorce makes sense. At the same time, I'm not sure it's going to make things better. Over to you. Hey. So back to the question about someone that's recovering from COVID. I can't, I, you'll always see me if you sit with me in the office or you sit with me in a briefing or if I, I sit with you in a consultation or even a chat. My eyeballs are reaching for the top there, always. So when, when you had asked me the question, I needed just a moment to think about it. And these are the two colors that uh, immediately came to my mind. I don't know if you can see them nicely. Okay, thank you for the thumbs up. Uh, so I've got these two colors. And so what I do is I go through to the color psychology and I just confirm what and why I've chosen that color. So I went for like the teal and the sky blue combination. So if I'm looking at teal, the positive is serene, cool, tasteful, sophisticated, and confident. Mixing up with the sky blue is calming, cool, heavenly, constant, faithful, true, restful, contentment, reassuring, serene, infinity. So all those words are very important when you're putting a room together. Because like an orange room, Paul, I had a black room growing, growing up. So you could just imagine the combination of the two. But when you're putting color into a space, what you want to evoke from that space is so important. And to sit down and have your designer really understand what are you talking about when I'm putting this in there? And does it make any sense? Because if you're going to do a, a learning area for, say, for instance, the kids, I'm going to go with the green because it evokes studying. It evokes this whole uh, emotion of, of inspiration. And, and, and it's psychologically, they don't know that they get, that's what's being done to them. But you're doing it. <laughs> so maybe you put it the, in the room. So maybe for the coworker, it's um, choosing to wear certain colors to work. Maybe if, if you or, or putting certain colors on your desk, you know, we can't change other people, okay? But we can kind of maybe uh, avoid that kind of red rag to a bull type stuff. So if we surround Absolutely. them with things which maybe feel, make them feel a bit calmer, it's an easier way of getting around it. 
So just to go off a bit, a little bit of design, but I guess it's still there. You could almost, that person that asked the question, it's a very good question. You could almost watch out for their wardrobe package and see what colors they're wearing. And maybe then you could almost counter that. So when, they, when they're working with you and receiving, yes, they are already wearing that, that very high energized color, you know, that's bringing out that, that energy and, and the stress and they're managing it incorrectly, but you could be wearing something that completely turns that whole, that whole element down. So it's just, yeah, that's a very interesting discussion. Well, don't, don't judge me on my appearance. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're not angry. You're no, not at all. <laughs> There's also okay, really Janie. There's also a really yeah. interesting question here about uh, moving things around is something we love to do at home, but my son really struggles with that. Have you experienced yeah. that with any of your clients? And I suppose psychologically speaking, we know that children who have sensory integration difficulties, things like texture, sound, okay, moving things around can be difficult. So talk us through how you've managed that with some of your clients. So I, I haven't encountered that direct, but what I did, I had a little girl who is, she nine now, and suffers the most immense anxiety. In fact, they live on the ocean. And the sound, you would think the sound of the waves would put this little one to sleep. It doesn't. She suffers desperately with anxiety. You know, she's, she's seeing uh, professionals and we're trying to help. And that sound actually it, it like aggravates her and, 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 and upsets her that she can't sleep and she can't do her homework. And so w when you're dealing with sensory and layout issues, I find, I mean, I'm just giving an example here. I, I'm not going to say what I would do in that situation because I normally like to unpack something sensitive like that with a family, but drowning out those waves, but still keeping water in her peripheral was a, a fine balance for us. Because while water is a, you think of water, you think, oh, sitting by a stream, it's tranquil, it's, it's all these beautiful things that it says when I explain sky blue and teals and that of the ocean, you think, oh, pina coladas, all things wonderful, where this child, she's in, in, in a state. So listening kindly with drowning out, using textures that soften that noise, changing all the light bulbs from cool lighting to warm lighting. The lampshade is no longer made out of a structured, cold lampshade. It's made out of a more like faux fur, or you've put some feathers around it. You're really softening up this, this process. And she, she too was also like, I don't want things changed up. And, and just start to cocoon this space and make it safe, make it okay. And, if I were to approach this, I would approach it very gently, that maybe the layout and the moving around is not done overnight. Maybe it's done with a softer, kinder approach, getting that child to engage and letting them move the elements around, letting them be the person to say, okay, today I'm ready. Let's move the sign tables, the planter and the floor standing lamp, you know, or come, come help me dust it. So get, get to that point where you're starting to integrate with this move around and then do it. Don't, I mean, if, you, if you're going to shock anybody by moving your layout, I mean, my house is never the same. <laughs> We're always moving, so no one gets the chance. But, yeah, I hope it's, I hope it's been making sense. Well, I remember my, my father used to go away for the weekend, and those were the weekends in our house where everything got repainted and moved around. The poor man arrived home every Sunday knowing that it would be a, a whole new 
house. And I'm sure that was quite traumatic for him. But I think your advice is really useful in the sense of including everyone in the home, particularly children who can be quite sensitive in that process and understanding their, their pace and their needs around that. You know, sensory integration is something that we have to work on with young people. You know, we, we can't just avoid it as a way of trying to make it better. We've got to gradually work on it. And in therapy, that's probably the things that they would focus on is sort of experiencing and practicing with different sensory experiences as a way of, of normalizing and, and getting used to it and learning techniques around it. So I'm sure within that design process, you can include your children and it kind of becomes oh. part of that therapy. Yeah. So just now, now that we're talking about it, um, you're talking about children. Actually, I'm working on a commercial project where this moving around and this this nonsense of my desk not being in the same place anymore, me not sitting on, the, on that chair, and there's a new office, and the, and the door's different. And even that has been a huge learning curve for even myself and understanding the psychology that a person comes to work, they come to work to have their desk, and that is their ownership. That's entitled, that they proud that's their workstation how dare you come in everything's moved and what i decided early on was never to fight that person and sit but just listen listen to why are they feeling anxious and once you've completely heard their narrative and you've completely and just listen and be calm for them and in that process i watched people trust me more and more and more over the weeks over the weeks and then you could let go, but it was definitely not. Because uh, I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna take furniture out of a commercial, we take try and take it out overnight, and so in forty eight hours we're done. Then we've gutted the site, and then we can go and reinstall and design. That's just not being the case. You know, you've got to really just be very kind and slow in that process, and listen to what is making them feel so anxious. So it's not only children; it's adults too, and probably more so. But I mean, if we look at the kind of psychology behind design and interiors, I mean, it's so personal. It's the backdrop that is going to hold your memories, your, your future, your decisions, your family, your quiet time, your sad time, your happy time. So, I mean, this is kind of, um, it really does um, lean on a lot of psychology. So that's why I think it's so cool that you keep talking about listening. Because what do we do in our relationships with ourselves? and with others in our community, in our space, we listen because it's not a one-way street. So I think it's so cool the way it's been tied into, into an emotional experience, not just let's put a palm tree over there and put a scented vanilla candle next to it. <laughs> and you know what? It's easy enough to do. I mean, you really can. But if you want to change somebody's life, which is what interior design is, you're not, you're not changing a floor and a wall changing the whole experience and you're changing their, their life for them in really tapping into the five senses and you know for, for, for you to cover all of those and that person to walk away changed that's your job that's your job and you've done that through textures design layout you've listened and you've you've implemented and when you see oh there is if you're a designer or it doesn't matter if you're not a designer but you know when you, you see that look on someone's face and they, they that's why you do it. You know, you've nailed it. We could talk forever. We could, yeah. and we do. And we're going to talk today and we'll talk tomorrow and tomorrow evening and the next day and the next day. But I just, I've got to say again, from that girl um, that walked into the studio saying that she is going to go and study interior design to seeing what you've done just alone in our East Coast Radio building, 
I burst with pride every time I walk into that studio because I still remember the first uh, job you got, the first beachy place. Remember the first beachy place you got, had all your swatches and you're ready to go. And you've done it with such, such grace. And I'm so blimmin' proud of you. And um, may you go from strength to strength, my friend. Yeah. I just actually want I want to thank everybody that's joined in today. Truly, to see your faces and and just share this journey with you. That this conversation would not be possible without you. And I absolutely love sharing. So I'm available to chat anytime. And I really appreciate you being here. And to obviously yourself, Jane and Paul for for hosting me. It's been magic. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we've absolutely loved, loved, loved having you. And it's just such an, a reminder once again how connecting and sharing stories and ideas is just such an inspiring and empowering thing. So thank you for sharing pieces of, of your wisdom with us today. We just yeah, love you so much. And it's so nice to see you and hear you and see everyone. I love you all. Bye. You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.